Hey everybody, this is Alan Hewitt from the Moody Blues and, and Alan Hewitt in One Nation. We're listening to Follow Your Dream with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Jeff Allen Ross, a terrific guitarist and keyboard player. He's the music director for Peter Asher of Peter and Gordon fame. He also co-produces Peter's weekly Beatles show on Sirius XM called From Me to You, which I just listened to this past weekend. Jeff has toured with Badfinger. He's toured with Mick Taylor, who was in the Rolling Stones for a period of time, with Jerry Marsden of Jerry and the Pacemakers, with Denny Lane of the Moody Blues and Wings, with Billy J. Kramer of the Dakotas, Kate Taylor, uh, James's sister, and others. And as you know, in the middle of this episode, I like to do a song fest with all my musician guests. So I've asked Jeff to pick out a handful of his best works. We're going to play a little bit of them. We'll talk about them. You'll get the backstories. And nobody else does this in podcasts. And also, you know that I like to feature a song of mine in every episode underneath the introduction and at the end and i always try to make the song relevant somehow to my guest and in this instance i have chosen the song stockbridge fanfare which i wrote for the album east side sessions by my band project grand slam why did i choose this well jeff has worked with sister kate taylor james's sister and James lives in the same area of the Berkshire Mountains of Massachusetts that I live in. And my song is a homage to the town of Stockbridge in that beautiful area. So I thought that it worked. So Jeff Allen Ross, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. I'm so glad you asked me. Well, I'm glad that I asked you too. All right. I mentioned that I was listening to your Sirius XM show with Peter Asher. I was driving down to uh, Florida from up north and it came on Sirius XM. I don't know, just when it started to get dark. So it was a nice kind of atmospheric type thing. And you guys happen to be doing Beatles songs that begin with the letter P. Okay, I guess you just do it at random. You pick these things up, you know, and you, you came out with P. And what I loved is that one of the songs you played was Penny Lane. And it wasn't just Penny Lane. It was the rarities version of Penny Lane, which you never hear anymore. Okay, it's the one that's got the piccolo trumpet at the very end of the song, in addition to that fabulous solo. So I got to give you kudos that you played that version. Well, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. When we uh, 
we do these shows, we record them way in advance. We do them here in my little studio that I'm in right now. And we've been doing this show for five years. So we try to schedule things so that we get way out ahead in case we're on the road or Peter's traveling or if he's in the UK, any, any of those sort of things. So last week before that show, one of the guys from Sirius, what we do is, is we do the, the voiceovers here at, at, at my studio. And then we send everything off to New York and they compile the show. So I got a call from one of the guys and he goes, would you like us to play the, which version of Penny Lane would you like us to play? He says, you know, what about the rarities version? I went, absolutely. So that was actually his choice. And, and he checked with me and, and that's, that's what we chose. I don't think Peter has any idea whatsoever that we even played that, but that's okay. That's all right. But I'm so glad somebody loved the fact that we chose the one with the, with the piccolo trumpet at the end. Cause I, I think that's very cool. The whole idea of adding a piccolo trumpet. I think that was George Martin's idea. Although Paul McCartney says that he was listening to something the day before and he got the idea of a high trumpet part, but it was George Martin that brought the guy in. I actually know a little bit about the guy that played piccolo trumpet because I was a trumpet player up through high school. And that's one of the reasons why I was I was so attracted to the piccolo trumpet. The guy who played it, his name was David Mason, and he was part of the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. And in preparation for this interview, I looked the guy up. Do you know that he played on four other Beatles songs? Oh yeah, they they those were the guys that they hired for those sessions. And and just to to go back to Paul was I believe listening to a Brandenburg concerto which Bach's Brandenburg concertos are very famous for the piccolo trumpet and and he asked George Martin is that something that was that even possible? And of course they knew all the best players in London who got paid scale which at the time according to peter he goes scale was something like they come in for the session and it'd be something like eight or ten pounds for the hour so that which you know is completely completely insane isn't that nuts so the guy the guy does one of the most famous parts on the piccolo trumpet in the history of music and he made a couple of bucks for the whole thing right he made a couple bucks yeah the only the only one of those uh just as a side note, one of those uh, musicians that actually made money, uh, Alan Civil, who played the, the French horn on For No One. Asked for 50 pounds for the session. And people thought that was insane. Of course, they paid it, but they, that was, you know, more than triple scale. Highway robbery, huh? How could he possibly do that? You know, we look at it now and go, well, it's worth a lot more than 50 pounds. But Absolutely. All right. So tell us a little bit about the show, because we're talking about that now. You've been doing it, you said, for five years. How did that come about? When they started the Beatles channel, well, five and a half years ago, Peter is still very, uh, very much involved with Apple Records. He knows uh, he knows everybody there. Uh, J Jeff Jones is a good friend. And so they when they were putting the, the channel together, 
they asked him if he'd be interested in, in doing a radio show. And he said, yes. Little did he know that five years later, he'd still be doing it. Because uh, that's at, at this point, we just show 250 hasn't quite aired yet, but we've now done another another maybe 10 shows uh, since we finished 250 in in November. Uh, so we've done another six shows. So we've there's a, a lot of shows sitting there and we keep trying to come up with ways to do interesting things because Peter think uh, Peter doesn't know as much about the Beatles as say you do. Oh, come on. I can't believe that. Oh, you, he knows personal things because he's worked with them. But when it comes to the, the music and. Um, like the trivia. Yeah. in all, you know, all the minutia and lots of people will ask him about what, you know, what Liverpool's like. He's been to Liverpool maybe four times. He doesn't know anything about I'm nothing about Liverpool. I have some family friends there. I know Liverpool extremely well. Better than he does. <laughs> I have to tell him about these things. So it's been, you know, after five years, we did, you know, first we started doing some shows where we would start with a Peter and Gordon song, and then he would let his mind wander and 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 weave a thread through the show based upon the Peter and Gordon show uh, song going into the Beatles. Then we did a series of shows called uh, the Beatles A to Z, which was uh, two runs of that, which he actually turned into a book, which a lot of anybody that knows Peter is probably familiar with the fact that he's got this book, the Beatles A to Z. So we did that. And then we started figuring out a way to do pick songs at random and Sirius gave, gave us a database of uh, over 1900 songs, Beatles and solo Beatles tracks that are available that we can play. And so we start, we found a, a, a random number generator. And uh, although on, on air, we, we would, we had a roulette wheel and we had a dartboard and you seem to be the random number uh, generator at this point. Well, yeah. There, right? and, and, <laughs> and Yeah. So, so, you know, we, we would just, and, and pick songs at, at random and play those and then follow a thread with some of that, find cover versions of things and interesting facts. And so, yeah, we've done it many different ways because uh, after 250 shows, it's hard to find ways to keep it interesting and, and new. And we just we just implemented uh, because what he does is he answers every email that people send to him uh, through Sirius. And so we started doing a, a segment called Please, Mr. Postman, where the show is we pick letters that people have sent and we play songs based upon their, their questions or observations or or whatever. So, yeah, it's been it's it's been interesting and it's been a it's been a lot of work and it keeps him on his toes. That's for sure. Good for you. I mean, 250 shows for any subject is pretty good. <laughs> and I can imagine you have to slice and dice this all different ways to come up with that and to keep it going. But, you know, it, it, what it says to me is way back at the beginning of all of this, when nobody knew that rock and roll was going to last this long. I mean, wasn't it Ringo that said something like, you know, he thought it was going to be a year or two and then he was going to be a hairdresser or something like that. You know, I had I had John Lodge on the show from the Moody Blues, and I've I've said this a couple of times. His friend said to him when he was 19 years old, well, what are you going to do when you're 21? 
He says, we never thought that this stuff was going to last. He says, certainly we never thought it was going to last 50 plus years. And here it is, you know, it's so many years after these songs were done. Of course, they're all magnificent. But the fact that you're doing this show and you got 250 episodes out of it, just remarkable, huh? Exactly. Yeah, Peter always says that the one question in every interview is exactly that. So what are you going to do when it all ends? And for him, it's really never ended since he became, you know, the producer. And, you know, still, we just finished a, a double album with Susanna Hoffs from the Bangles. We did a Kate Taylor album right at the end of the pandemic. Um, so, you know, he's he's still busy as can as he can possibly keep him, which is really great. Still rocking and rolling. All right. I got to ask this question because you you've kind of tickled my memory here. Now, his sister was Jane Asher, of course, who uh, was dating Paul McCartney. And I seem to remember a story about McCartney being over at their house frequently playing on their piano. And he came up with a couple of incredible songs while he was there. Am I right? Well, he lived at the house. He lived at the Asher house. Um, they had a guest room at the, on the third floor of the house. And Peter's parents liked Paul a lot. And he was coming over and, and hanging out with Jane a lot. And so they offered him the guest room at the top of the house and the bedroom that was across the hall from Peter. Uh, because the Beatles had a flat, which was chaos it had had to have been it's you know four four 20 year old guys plus the plus the, the the roadies living in a thing so paul loved being there and so yeah he he lived there i'm not exactly sure how long he lived there um could have been two or three years that he, with the touring and all that and uh peter's mom who was an oboe professor at the royal academy of music who incidentally many years prior to all of that had taught George Martin the oboe. So she was George Martin's oboe professor, which I find incredibly interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Paul would, they had a music room in the basement and Paul was, uh, Mrs. Asher just said, if whenever you need to use the piano, feel free. So he wrote many songs that we know and love in the, in the house at 57 Wimpole street. Just a great story. Okay, that may be trivia, but it's the kind of trivia that I think is very cool. Oh, absolutely. All right, so let's let's talk about some of the other great things that you've done. You've you've played with so many different people, and I was intrigued by the fact that you were part of Badfinger for a time because I really dug that band. So tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Badfinger. Back in 1986, I was uh, living in Topanga, California, not too far from where I'm at right now in Southern California here. And my wife and I had decided uh, that we were going to move back to Wisconsin. Just uh, it, just things were sort of slowing down at that point. The band that I was in wasn't quite doing what I thought it should have been. And we had decided to move back. And simultaneously with that happening, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who I've known since I, who I have, I still know who, uh, we've been friends since we were about 15. We used to drop acid together and all sorts of stuff. And uh, he said, I'm playing with Joey Mullins and and Mike Gibbons from Badfinger, and we need a lead singer. I mean, somebody that can sing all the Pete Ham songs. Are you interested? And it was based out of Minneapolis. And I went, am I interested? Absolutely. Because Badfinger, 
matter of fact, he and I, I remember listening to the Magic Christian music album at his parents' house one night. I remember it very, very distinctly. We just went, this is so cool. This is this, this is great, all that. So uh, I, I accepted that. Um, and since I was moving back to Wisconsin and it was going to be based out of Minneapolis, it was very convenient. So I joined the band and I got to sing all those great Pete Ham songs. And they really were great songs. And, you know, it, again, just harking back to the show that you guys did on Sirius, I remember you played a song by Harry Nilsson, Without You. Okay, that was written by Ham. Actually, Tommy Evans and Pete Ham. Both it was right. it was it was a true collaboration because one of them wrote the the verse. The, well, I can't forget this evening. Right, and uh, that that was Pete. And then I can't live if living is without you. That was Tommy. It's a fantastic record. It's a great song, but I did not know. I always thought that Nelson had written that because for the most part, his hits he had written. So to find out that the guys from Badfinger wrote it, that was pretty cool. Well, Harry heard it. Uh, he was at a party. And if you know anything about Harry, he was a little tipsy, to say the least. And they were at a party and that song came on and he thought it was a Beatles song. And so he told Richard Perry, the producers, oh, I heard this song. I want I really would love to do it. This is Beatles song, but they couldn't find and they, they had to do some research. And it turned out that it was without you from uh, from the No Dice album. It was the Badfinger. And his version was uh, Song of the Year and Record of the Year in 1972. So it was a it was a big song. And of course, later on, Mariah Carey uh, also did a version of it. So uh, they they did quite well off of the one song, to say the least. To say the least. And you have to have a big range to sing that song, at least the way that Nelson did it because he's got, I don't know how many octaves that he goes up in that one. Oh yeah. Harry was one of the greatest vocalists that I've ever heard. I, I just, I was a big fan, huge fan. Hi, everybody. This is your host, Robert Miller. I'm pleased to tell you that I've got a new album coming out soon called Bobby M. and the Paisley Parade. It features 10 new songs, plus guest appearances by John Helliwell of Supertramp, Tony Carey of Rainbow, and international sitar sensation Deobrat Mishra. The album has a definite 60s vibe. And the theme of the record is all about relationships and love. It may just be my best album ever. The reviewers agree. Indie Shark calls it Album of the Year. Big Celebrity Buzz says it's one of the great rock sets of the year. And Pop Icon calls it 
an adventure that keeps us on the edge of our seats. How about that? And for me, the icing on the cake is the praise that the album has received from world-class musicians like Steve Hackett of Genesis, Gary Puckett of The Union Gap, Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul and Mary, Jim McCarty of The Yardbirds, and David Liebert of The Happenings. I'm going to release the 10 songs on the album in a novel way in five special episodes of this podcast featuring two songs in each one, starting after the new year. So be on the lookout for these special episodes of Bobby M. and the Paisley Parade. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to this podcast and please sign up for our weekly emails previewing each episode and much more. The links are all in the show notes. I want to thank you for listening and keep on rocking. Well, normally I save this for the the middle part, the song fest, but you've got a, a bad finger song that you have given to me. So let's play that now. This is day after day. And I think you did it somewhere in like around 2013, something like that. I remember finding out about you Every day my mind is all around you Looking out of my lonely room Day after day So tell us a little bit about that one. Well, I had been doing, uh, what, what happened? A friend of mine asked me if I'd be interested in coming and playing a couple songs at a little benefit thing at a church up in Malibu. And he wanted me to sing day after day. And he had a, a couple of friends a, a, at that time, a, a, a very young couple that I think they might still have been in school. And, and both of them went to the Royal Academy in London. And the the woman played viola and her boyfriend played oboe. And at this benefit thing that we did, I had her do the all the all the slide guitar parts all the day after the all the all the all that stuff. And it was just me and an acoustic guitar and she playing the violin that might have been somebody else playing an acoustic guitar or something like that. And I thought this is this is really kind of cool. And Daniel, who was the oboe player, his major was composition. And so I talked to him, and what we did was is we arranged it for a viola quartet because we just used uh, Virginia playing the 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 viola. So we had her do a viola quartet. And since he played oboe, I thought it'd be so great if if he could do that, and I got, I'm going over to my little, my Wurlitzer, do, do the little, all, the, all those little piano parts, which were Leon Russell piano parts, if he could double those with the oboe, because it's just so beautifully, it's not really quite Baroque, but it's just very classical. And so that's how I came up with 
doing this acoustic version with that just is to, to me just very different than than the original but it it holds to the original yeah i think it's a terrific version and you know you mentioned the oboe in this and i, I used to joke around in the past when people said to me how can i get my kid into a great college and i would say have them play the oboe because if you're <laughs> a great oboe player you can probably name any college that you want to go to all right there's just not that many kids playing oboe anymore it's true it's true all right. So let's do some of the other songs that you sent to me as well. The other one that we're playing right now is Still Dreaming. And it's got this real Beach Boys kind of uh, beginning to it. That was your inspiration? Well, the story behind behind Still Dreaming, which hasn't been released yet, but uh, is going to be at some point next year. It's a song that, that I wrote with my manager's boyfriend, a guy named John Jarvis. And John is a keyboard player, and he, he plays uh, keys with Vince Gill. He's also a Grammy-nominated songwriter has had many, many songs in the country field um, that's done quite well. And he and I have had worked with with a, a mutual friend, which is uh, a little bit how we became friends. And he goes, I got this idea for a song. And that that intro is really all John. John that was that was just he goes, I want to write this thing. And and so it was really John that wrote all that. And then my friend Bill Sinkay, who uh, was the original bass player in the Peter and Gordon band. And then he also did the last four years with Neil Diamond. Uh, he came in and we did the 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 vocals on that because he he has a he he's a tenor, but he also can can sing bass because we needed a, a a bass voice for that. So that's how that beginning melts into the other part of the song and John wrote most of the music for, for that. And uh, I did most of the lyrics for, for the song. So it was a, an unusual collaboration for me because normally I do it all myself. I do most of it myself. And uh, so it, it was just one of those things. And he goes, I just want, you know, I, I had this idea for this song. I just want to do it. And, and so that's, that's why it sounds like Beach Boys because he wanted it to. Well, Tell him that uh, he scored on this one because I listened to it. I said, this sounds exactly like a Beach Boys kind of thing. It was inspired, I would say, by the Beach Boys. All right. Absolutely. There you go. All right. Let's do one more. This one is from, I think, an album of yours called Lock My Feelings in a Jar. It's called Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Today. Not a cloud in the sky and the sun ain't gonna shine today. Sailing ships to foreign lands, faceless winds in the shifting sands, 
So tell us about that. Well, lock my feel. By the way, lock my feelings in a jar. A line. Some of your listeners who might be huge Badfinger fans know that's from a song, uh, a Pete Ham song, a Badfinger song called "Name of the Game." That's where that line comes from. Wow. And I, I titled the album "Lock My Feelings in a Jar" because my initials are Jeff Allen Ross. It's a jar, so it's sort of a double entendre. I couldn't help it. I had to. Right, we've given away the whole secret here on this podcast, right? Well, I, it's it's funny because I remember being a little kid and just going, "Oh, my initials spell jar." I just remember. I always remembered that. But anyhow, uh, and so yeah, that song is from that album. I sent you that one. Because I'm particularly fond of it, as you probably notice, it has a bird's feel to it. A lot of twelve-string guitars, yeah, uh, yeah. and and the vocal thing. And it's actually a song that I wrote. I was on tour in the UK, and we were in uh, Liverpool, and we were taking the ferry over to Dublin because we were going to be playing some shows over in Ireland. And when I got off the the ferry. In Dublin, I got a phone call that my father had passed away. And so the, the song, that's what the song is about. And its it, it was just about, uh, you know, not a cloud in the sky and the sun ain't going to shine today. So just the, it's beautiful outside, but, you know, you're, you're, you're sad on the inside. So that's what the song is about. Because it doesn't really have a melancholy type of feel to it. It's it's no, almost kind of a all. pop upbeat type of thing. So I didn't really think about the title being that kind of offset, but that's nice to hear. Yeah. And even the line, uh, a crowded street is a lonely place when life moves at a different place. And that was just me walking around the streets of Dublin that day. And yeah, so it's, yeah, it the music doesn't reflect the true sentiment. And yet, it it works quite well and yet it does yeah and and it's a it's a cool thing and i'm uh i'm really quite proud of it because i did all the all the 12 string work is me and i i came up with a solo that uh is very reminiscent of the birds version of my back pages which is my favorite roger mcguinn 12 string solo in my back pages so all right i want to talk about I remember Kate made an album, but I hadn't heard about her in a long, long time. So the fact that you work with her and you're just putting out a new album, tell us a little bit about how that came to be. Back in 2010, uh, we were playing with Peter uh, with our memoir show, which is the show that we do with, with all the multimedia, where basically Peter talks about his life work and we play lots of Peter and Gordon songs and some other things. So we were, we were playing in, in New York and Kate came down to see the show. Now, Peter had produced Kate's sister Kate album 50 plus years ago now. And um, I was always a, a, a fan of hers and she and I just hit it off immediately. We became fast friends of which we are to this, to this day. So Kate and I, we became friends, and just during the course of that, uh, she would come out to the, the West Coast, and we started doing her playing with our band, which was the Peter Asher band at the time, playing with the band and doing that sort of thing, and then she and I started doing a bunch of dates, just her and I alone, just the two of us, uh, which was spectacular, and 
you know, she still sings great and she's entertaining and one of the one of the greatest people that I know. I'm just I I I can't say how much I I love her. She's just so so great. Listen, it's it's nice to know that she's still out there and she's still singing. She's done a lot of albums since then. What had happened is back then when Peter managed her and produced her, there was a a point where not too long after that in 71 or 72, she decided that that uh, the whole music thing was a little too much. So she went back to Martha's Vineyard and basically started a family and did all that. And then uh, in the late 90s, she started playing again and making albums and doing some things. And so, yeah, she's been out playing here and there. But what had happened with the new album was during during the pandemic we started having conversations and she wanted peter to produce another album for her 50 years later basically using all the same people leland sklar russ kunkel and danny korchmar and so i had the honor of being the musical director with peter arranging all those songs and doing a session sitting with all those guys playing new songs and and you know working with one of the one of the greatest rhythm sections of all time yeah and that was that was quite something so uh her new album's called why wait which people can uh look up i'd probably go to ktaylor.com and check it out but it's a, it's a great it's a great record we also have albert lee and wadi Wachtel playing guitars on that as well there you go you got the whole group all right. We have been speaking here with Jeff Allen Ross. Jeff, you've had one heck of a career. It's been fascinating to hear about it. Your radio work, your work with Badfinger, with all these other acts, some of them we didn't even get to. But I want to congratulate you on all the great things that you've done and wish you all the best in the future. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Well, it's my pleasure and it's been an honor. And I, I know one of your big things is that you're going, hey, after 60, a lot of things can happen. And most of the things that you and I have talked about, not me joining Badfinger, but pretty much everything else has happened much later in my life than I would have wanted at the beginning, let's just say when I was in my 20s. And most of this has happened me in my in my 50s and my 60s. So it's it's amazing what can happen if you just have a little patience and if you stick with it and if you if you love doing what you do. Completely agree. As I like to say, you're never too old and it's never too late. Thanks so much for being on the show. All right, we're going to listen now to the song that started off the episode. It's my song called Stockbridge Fanfare. I want to thank you all for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com. Going to Stockbridge in Western Mass, just below the Pittsfield line. Tucked in a corner just off the pike, a bit like Changes on Main Street all year, though Alex.
Summer is simple.